0: And we're going to be reading from the uh, book of Romans, 2nd chapter, verses 12 through 29. And if you're wondering how to find that in your pew Bible, just turn to page 940, and that'll get you right there. Starting with verse 12 of uh, Romans chapter 2. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when according to my gospel god judges the secrets of men by christ jesus but if you call yourself a jew and rely on the law and boast in god and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law and if you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind a light to those who are in darkness an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against the stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God, by breaking the law for as it is written the name of god is blasphemed among the gentiles because of you for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law but if you obey or if you break the law your circumcision becomes uncircumcision so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision Well may God bless his word to our hearts this morning. Let's pray and then pastor is going to come and explain this long passage to us. Father in heaven we are grateful for your blessings. We are grateful that day after day we can call upon you and know that you hear us and father there are times when we certainly need forgiveness. We know that and we're grateful that We can call upon you and that the blood of Jesus Christ has paid for our sin. And that's something that can change our hearts and our lives. We pray, Father, now for Pastor as he comes to speak. Give him the words to say. Give him the message that you want us to hear. And help us to have hearing ears. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. You may be seated. If you're not already there, please do turn to Romans chapter 2, and we'll be examining this lengthy passage today. Um, if you've been around for our study already, you're aware that we're right into a bit of Paul's explanation of the wrath of God, and it was a bit heavy last week. I'm always blessed by applications that we can still pull out, even if it seems like a passage that might not be our favorite passage. And for myself, I'm always very encouraged when we can go through and look at the scripture verse by verse and cover everything, and still find some beautiful applications. So understand what this means. And just so you know where I'm going, this is, like last week, a passage written mainly for unbelievers. So that might cause a lot of you to say, well, it's not for me, I'm saved. I need to you know, give this sermon to some unsaved folks. No, this is recorded for us. And of course, as Paul writes to the church at Rome There were uh, a big division in the church, and he's going to be taking them down a notch. He is trying to explain just what horrible pit that every one of them came from. And many individuals will um, have a poor view of themselves. I think he's talking to unbelievers here. I think it's very, very sobering, but there are some good applications. Just if you're taking notes, I'm going to tell you where we're going He's going to mention Judgment Day toward the beginning. He's going to mention judgment of these unbelievers. And then right in the middle, we're going to see something that applies to this very present day. And then he's going to come back to Judgment Day again. And so um, I am very excited to talk through this and to, uh, to see exactly what Paul was trying to teach them. In 1922, we have uh, displayed today in museums probably the greatest archaeological find that has come up that's displayed in any museum. And this was when they uncovered King Tut's tomb. It was very unique because robbers had not been able to find this and take all the gold and the treasures. And as they went and got into King Tut's tomb, there were many things that caught their eye. But, of course, the center of attention was going to be the, 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 the person that was there. And as they went to the tomb, they found a big outer shell, kind of an, an outer container, And it was made with beautiful, ornate design. There were jewels on this outer cover and other beautiful items that would decorate it. But of course, there was dust on that. When they took away that outer shell, they found another casket inside. This casket is one that was made from wood, I believe, but it was overlaid with gold. Just a beautiful, beautiful sight to behold as they opened that. When they opened up that casket that was mostly wood overlaid with gold, what they found was another casket inside of that. This casket was actually made out of pure gold, nothing but 100% gold for this final casket. They opened that one up, and guess what they found? some incredible decorative cloths that were wrapping the the body of King Tut. And once they opened up those incredible decorative cloths, do you know what they found? A wrinkled, nasty, leathery body. That's what they found. Beauty, more beauty, even more beauty and riches got to the claws, unwrapped that, and what they found underneath was dead bones. No matter how much was put on the outside, there was something that was dead that was at the core of it all. When we go throughout this world, there are many individuals that are putting things on the outside that is all you see. That's what you're going to notice about them. These things that might be covering up what's underneath. But we understand that every man and woman is going to stand before God. And we also understand that when it comes to religion, when it comes to man's search for spirituality, that God will not be fooled on Judgment Day. And I think what we'll see in our passage today is that the hypocrite is likely not fooling anyone. He might think he is. He might have some success, some success for a short time, fooling some. But what we will see is he's genuinely not fooling anyone. As we look into God's Word today, what we will see is that the only thing that is going to count on Judgment Day when you stand before God is whether your heart has been changed by accepting Jesus Christ as your Redeemer. Now, in addition to that, we also need to understand, for those who are believers, who understand this message of faith, this needs to be what we lead with in our religious conversations. When we talk to people who might be in different denominations, different uh, churches, this is where we need to start with. Do we have faith in Jesus Christ in common? So do not lead with, what's your favorite kind of music, right? Right? Do not lead with all these wonderful things that God has given us that are side things. They might be blessings, they might be beautiful, but we need to cut right to this main issue of if someone has accepted Jesus as their Redeemer. Okay, all this to take us to our text in Romans chapter 2. Are you interested in seeing what Paul has to say today? Now remember, don't tune it out, but he's speaking this continued crowd of of unbelievers here. So he's um, he's, he's really a bit harsh as we read through it. And let me just tell you where I think Paul's mind was as he was writing this. I think the Apostle Paul, as he's writing through this letter that's to address a problem with the Roman Christians... I think as he's writing this, and he starts with this laundry list of sins that we covered already, these wicked, raunchy people, and then when he gets gets into some people that are hypocrites, and they've got a problem, and they're guilty, I think that the Apostle Paul knows exactly what some unbelieving Jews are going to be thinking. And we're going to talk about that. He knows where they are going to be thinking, and he's going to address that. If you're taking notes, number one today, on Judgment Day, all works are set aside except the work of Christ that is seen in man's heart. We're going to start with Judgment Day, and that's right there in the text. We're going to see Judgment Day at the end, right in the middle. We'll talk about an application for us today. But as I said before, this is the same group that you referenced in verses 1 through 11. Self-righteous hypocrites, but specifically these are self-righteous hypocrites that are Jews. And so a warning for the Roman believers is to not treat other people in the way that these people are treating them. We see in verses 12 and 13 a couple descriptions. Did Did you see it there when it was read before? He talks first of all to the Gentiles, those without the law. There were people in this church that were Gentiles without the law. And it says they will perish if they don't come to Christ. Equally, verse 13, he mentions the Jews, those who have the law. And he says, you're going to be judged by the law. And do not get sucked into thinking if they're just keeping this checklist, they're going to be okay. Because as we talked about last week, the whole purpose behind the law was to lead them to the point where they would accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah and accept salvation by faith. You see, one thing that many Jews did not understand was that God's plan for redemption from the beginning had not changed If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, we find that sin comes into the world and we find that right away God says, I am going to fix this. I am going to make it possible for my creation, mankind, to once again have fellowship with me. Now, between Genesis chapter 3 and the New Testament, we have a lot of things going on. But God's plan to redeem man never changed. It is still intact. Now, many of the things that come up after Genesis chapter 3 and up to the New Testament and even after the church began in the New Testament, many of those things cause confusion. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying they're bad things. But there are many things that God has put into his plan. The main plan of saving mankind, which comes by man putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And there are many things that God has had as part of that plan. And what happens is, is confusion did come to the church, to the Jews, and to the Gentiles. And confusion still comes today because confusion will come to man when some of these blessings along our journey, don't miss this, this is a huge part of what's going on. Some of those blessings along our journey become the thing that we focus on. That's what's going on here. You got Jews, you got Gentiles. They're all saved the same way. That's where Paul's going with this lesson. But along the way, God gave blessings For the Gentile believer, they were not chosen as Jews, but they have actually been grafted in to the family of God. And we'll get into some details of that later on in the book of Romans. Grafted in to be the children of God. With the Jews, they have been the chosen people. And we'll get into some details of why it was a blessing. It's not a small deal that they were chosen to be Jews. And we should not allow ourselves to put that fact down. And they should not allow the fact that Gentiles have been grafted in to be a negative thing. And we must not let it become the main thing that we focus on. Let me give an illustration. I've mentioned this to some of you before. Um, When we, uh, about three years ago, when some of us were on a trip in Israel, it was a wonderful learning time. And all the tour guides there are very well trained and do a wonderful job. But something that is a deal-breaker for me to go with a group is, um, of course, all the the tour guides are Jews, but there are a few of them that are believers, like you and I. They believe in Jesus Christ and that he uh, was the Messiah. When I introduced our tour guide, who I already knew from a previous trip, I introduced him in the wrong way. And he corrected me right away, which was a little bit humbling, and that's okay. But basically, I got up and I said, Arez is going to come now and introduce himself. Um, Arez is a Christian Jew, is what I called him. And then I talked on and on, flowery and putting him up. And when he got up, he said, well, actually, no, we don't call ourselves Christian Jews. He said, we call ourselves fulfilled Jews or completed Jews, so that was an education for me, and that's what I, the way I would call that now. Because he's not saying that his Jewish heritage, his Jewish background is all for nothing. That's not the idea. He is saying, from Genesis chapter 3, this was God's plan for the beginning. To save the Jews in this way. And beautifully to save the Gentiles in the same kind of way. Some have been blessed by being born a Jew. Being raised a Jew. Some have been blessed by being born outside the Jewish people and yet grafted in to be children of God in the same way. Can you imagine if Erez and I got in an argument over who had it better? If we stood in front of the people, hold on a second, I've been grafted in. I'm like an adopted one, chosen to be in this group. I'm better than you. And he'd say, are you kidding me? Let me tell you about the blessing of being a Jew and what the Jews have been entrusted with over the years. You can't imagine us getting into an argument over that, can you? And yet, that is the exact kind of thing that many people will do today. The blessings that God has given to us along the way, once we've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and we get distracted, we get confused. In our last point, we're going to talk about how we need to not push those things aside, but highlight them more. In verses 14, 15, and 16, it's a beautiful lesson that we see that the Gentiles have the law written on their heart. Okay? So the Jews had the law written on stone, and then they got a whole lot more laws after those Ten Commandments came. But the Gentiles, the Bible teaches us here, have God's law and it is written on their hearts. The Ten Commandments, when they came down, do you remember this scene? Remember when the Hebrews were free from slavery and they went out and they were traveling? God sends Moses up on the mountain. God gives the Ten Commandments. Now I want you to, I want you to imagine, I'm going to ask you a question here in a second. So I want to build you up to see if you get the question right or not, get the answer right when Moses came down from the mountain with these Ten Commandments, do you think as these were read and given to all the people, do you think that some of the people said, whoa, I never thought of that before. Thou shalt not kill? Whoa, man, I'm glad somebody wrote that down. Thou shalt not commit adultery? Well, that would solve a lot of problems around here if we would have known that. Do you think that was a surprise to most of those people? The answer is no, it wasn't a surprise. When God gave them those laws, this was not something that was so so far-fetched. I think when we come to the word covet, there's something that we can get extra from that. But my point is this. They would not have been surprised. Instead, what God is saying to the Hebrew people is, this is the way you are supposed to live because... This is the way I have made you to live. And so the law was written on their hearts as we see here in Romans chapter 2. And God will judge them according to what Paul calls here my gospel. Paul refers to, he uses that term quite a bit, my gospel, which he is very, very clear about. In an application for us today, they thought they were saved because they were Jews. Some of these people in, in the church That were attending the church or that were mingling with the other Jews there. They thought they thought they were saved because they were Jews, just like many people in our day think they are saved because they were born in a Christian family. And oh to you, parents, and oh to you, grandparents, to guard against this. Do not give your child, your grandchild, anyone that you influence the idea that they, when they stand before God by themselves, without you there or their family, do not give them the idea that they're going to be okay because they were raised in a Christian family. Or anything else that's a blessing of God. Is is it a blessing to be raised in a Christian family? Yes, it is. But people can take a hold of that. And apply that in a way that can be dangerous. All right, number two. Let's go ahead and get to this day today. On this present day, the day we live in, on this present day, hypocrites are only fooling themselves with the self-righteous mask that they are wearing. They're only fooling themselves. It looks to us like Paul, as he writes verses 17 through 20, I'm going to read it for us, but I want to set it up a little bit. I think the Apostle Paul understands there's going to be some people who like what he says. And you can see a a change in tone from what he says in 17 through 20 and then following that. Because as he says it, you could almost see these people sitting up a little bit taller, maybe picking their nose up in the air and looking at the groups around them and thinking, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think Paul understands us. I think he gets us. Would you look at it with me again? Starting in verse number 17. It says, But if you call yourselves a Jew, okay, rely on the law, okay, boasting God and know his will and approve of what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are sure that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, that's us, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of truth. And so as they are reading this, I can imagine that some of them almost lost a button on their shirt. Here's the Apostle Paul talking to us, the Jews. And I think he gets us I think he understands where we're going. I looked up in several different versions of the Bible. My Bible has a dash after, the, after verse 20. How many of you in your Bible, you have a little dash right there? Raise your hand if you have a dash. Okay, about a third. About half the versions that I saw had a little dash. Paul builds them up a bit, and then he's going to take every one of those things that he just mentioned, and he is going to say, you are guilty of all these things. And if you're looking for one sentence to walk away with today, this is the sentence. I think this is very, very helpful for our entire text. And that is this, because he just mentioned a bunch of good things. And now he's going to tear them down in just a second here. But before we read that section, let me tell you the application. A good thing can become a bad thing if it keeps you from the best thing. Now take that in, because God has given many of us many good things. But any good thing can become a bad thing if it keeps you from the best thing. That's what we find going on with these people. And so then we will say, now comes the smackdown, is how I put it here. I, I don't think that's in my version. But... He is going to now flip each one of those uplifting comments on their heads. Look with me starting in 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You abhor idols, you, uh, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. And so he takes each one of those things. And he has a clear goal here. He has a goal of telling them that a profession of privileges does not equal a possession of saving faith. Just because they profess, they keep all these things, just because their heritage, their Jewish, and it's not just their religion, but it's their culture, right? They're raised as a Jew. It's their festivals. It's their lifestyle. It's their family. They marry other Jews. And all of this they are bragging in. But just because they could brag about their heritage did not mean that they possessed saving faith. Now, I don't think it's that hard to spot here, really, as far as their phonies. Because in verse number 24, as I'm going to read in just a second, hang on. In verse number 24, he really gives a great test for them that's going to lay it all clear And I'm going to borrow that and make that application for us today. It's not hard to know if your outside works agree with your professed righteousness. Look at verse 24 with me. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Is that a fairly clear verse right there? The name of God is blasphemed because of you people. So what does he say basically? He basically says, let's just go outside the walls here and let's talk and interact with the people that you do business with in the community. The people that you mingle with, not your best friends. Let's go to the people who you have disagreements with. The people that you have to buy stuff from and sell stuff to. The ones where your integrity will be tested. Let's just go out and let's see if this inward righteousness that you think you have, if it matches your life. And Paul says to them, what's going on is it does not match. The name of God is actually blasphemed because of you. So woe is you. And as I said before, there's an application for us today because even if you are saved, I think this applies for us. How would you feel if this week I put on my private investigator hat and I chose one of you, decided to follow you around the community and you didn't know I was there and when you went to interact with someone, I could watch you and then a little while later, I would come up and I would say, what did you think of that, that woman that was here a little bit ago? How about, that, how about that guy right there? Have you had much interaction with him? What would people around you say? Would they have any idea that you were a follower of God? Because around these hypocrites, these self-righteous hypocrites, everybody knew that they claimed Jehovah and the name of Jehovah God was blasphemed because of how they lived their lives. And it would be a shame for you and I today if we were to buy into the same lie that these hypocrites lived. And here's the application for you. Here's what I want you to really remember when you walk out into the community this week. You are going to have very little Success, shining light in the world that God has given you if it appears that you have yet to walk out of the darkness yourself. Nobody's going to believe that you have a light that they need if it appears you're living in a very, very dark and sinful world. And you do want success shining as a light in this world. The Great Commission cannot be accomplished without it. God has given that commission to His people. And if you are going to shine as a light, you have to be having a testimony that you have walked out of the darkness. All right, final point, number three. On Judgment Day, now we're back to Judgment Day, we're leaving present day. On Judgment Day, Any good works, now before we said on judgment day, any good works will be pushed aside because of the most important work, but I didn't want to leave it there because the apostle Paul talks through this and he goes through a long section on circumcision. We're not going to spend a lot of time on circumcision, but there are going to be some applications for us today. And the point is on judgment day, any good works should remind us of Christ's work in our heart. The main thing God gave them circumcision. Was circumcision a good thing? Shake your head yes or no. Absolutely. It was a great thing. It was important. And it was wonderful. And it was a blessing. And now we see that some people who have not taken care of the main thing, they're just bragging about their circumcision. They're bragging about, we are children of Abraham. And that ritual, that bloody ritual, on the eighth day of a boy's life, where they would cut the skin back. That's what they hold on to. And I love that the Apostle Paul, he does not say it's not that big of a deal. It's not that important. Don't, Don't worry about it. Don't brag about it. He doesn't say any of that. The Apostle Paul says this is extremely important. But the Apostle Paul understood what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 10. When it says the physical outward circumcision is to represent a circumcision of the heart. That's what's supposed to be there. Very, very similar to a baby dedication today that we would have in our church. Just because someone comes up and brings their baby for a dedication doesn't mean that baby is going to be saved. In fact, it means nothing about them being saved. The idea is the parents are saying we are committing ourselves to raise this child to where they will follow Christ. The best that we can, we're going to teach them and bring them to a place where they will follow Jesus Christ. So Paul doesn't say, he doesn't diminish circumcision. Any of the good works that has come along the way, you need to not just push them aside. And that's what we do. I use the pendulum illustration quite often. You've probably, you've heard me use it before if you've been around for a while. Let's go ahead and jump on what will be an obvious application for us today, probably better than the circumcision one that he's dealing with here. And that would be the illustration of baptism. When we think of baptism, does baptism save us? Shake your head, yes or no. No, baptism does not save us. When someone becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a command that they get baptized. So you get baptized because you've been commanded to, and the other reason is to show other believers, it's an ordinance of the local church, to show other believers, hey, I've been saved. Someone's going to get baptized in about a month here, and we're going to have a few people baptized, but one young man I was talking to, and he just said, "Well, from what I understand, everybody who gets saved is supposed to be baptized." And that's correct. But we don't lead in our community, in our religious talks with our baptism. You lead with, "Have you been saved by the work because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross?" And because of that, you get baptized. Now, don't let that pendulum swing you over here and say, baptism's no big deal. Yeah. Baptism's not important. Do not allow yourself to undercut that. It is very, very important. Yeah. You're invited to join us in this wonderful celebration service next month if you've not been baptized. Let me read verse 29 first of this last section. This, it really ties it up, but I want to start there. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And so God is going to judge us according to our hearts. And whose opinion is the most important opinion, man's or God's? It is God's. But as we just saw, we need to not totally throw out man's opinion, How are you going to influence people to turn to the light if you don't have the light yourself? If they don't see that you have the light, I should say. But God's opinion is the most important. He's going to judge us by the heart. A circumcision of the heart. And many gifts to us from God serve a good purpose, but all we need to do is keep them in the proper context. And a good picture of this for us today is is the wedding ring, right? Right? How many of you have a wedding? Hold your your hand up if you have a wedding ring on. Hold it up high. Hold it up. All right. Okay, put your hands down. I know you're tired today. We lost an hour of sleep. When you think of the wedding ring, when you think of what that is, if you interact with someone in the community and they have one of these on, we understand they can go down to the store, they can buy a ring like this and they can put it on their finger without actually have gone, go, have, have, having gone through the commitment of making a covenant to another person and getting married. They can wear this symbol without having made that commitment. This is simply something that points to that time when we committed ourselves to another in front of God, in front of other witnesses. That's what the wedding ring is. And so when we think of that, Is it also true that somebody can wear the wedding ring, keep that ring on, and break their marriage vows at the same time? They can. And that's a shame. We need to not get it backwards. We need to not just brag about the wedding ring. We need to have so important in our hearts the commitment that we have made in the marriage. So, back to the foundation. What should be our foundation? When you're interacting with other people, the foundation is, I was a sinner deserving hell, but I believe Jesus Christ died for me and I trust him as my savior. That's the foundation. And there are many, 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 many other blessings along the way. Baptism, circumcision, worship, uh, you name it. Church attendance. I mean, all these things are such a blessing along the way. Do not fall into the trap of leading with those things. Doesn't mean they haven't been very special to you. And the Apostle Paul, when he talks about circumcision there in those verses, he doesn't say, don't even think about that anymore. He doesn't say that at all. He says, this has been a blessing to you. Praise God for that blessing, but do not let it get to the main place. The believers in Rome had a problem They were dividing over whose blessing was better. What's better? To be grafted in? That's a pretty good one. Or what's better? To be born a Jew and be a fulfilled Jew following Jesus as the Messiah. Which one is better? Neither one. Neither one is better. They both are based on the work that we've traced all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 that God is going to make a way for man to have fellowship with himself. And it comes to the saving work of Jesus Christ. Okay, a couple things that you can do with this today. Number one, be sure that there are no symbols of Christianity that you're holding on to more than a change that God has worked in your heart. I'm not telling you to throw them out. Paul doesn't tell them to throw them out. Just do not hold on to those symbols more than the change that Christ has worked in your heart. Lead with that. That's what you have in common with the people who maybe you're not in a local fellowship with. And that's what should be a foundation to us. Because when you stand before God someday, that's the important thing. All those other tags, well, they might have been blessings along the way. They're going to fall off. I love a line that I heard at a men's retreat at camp one time. He was talking about the different denominations and he said if you haven't learned if you haven't learned to buy now, I think it was Tom Harmon said this. He said if you haven't learned to buy now, all those denominational tags, they're either going to fall off on your way to heaven or they're going to burn off on your way to hell is what he said. Don't hold on to your denomination. Don't don't hold on to your favorite symbol. Those things that are a blessing, don't hold on to those. Hold on to Jesus Christ and your faith in him. And then number two, and I promise you, if anybody got nervous a little bit ago, I promise you I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to follow you around playing private detective this week, okay? I will take phone calls from people that want to call me about you. Just kidding. (laughs) Ask yourself this. How am I doing with the community accountability test? You are not just supposed to act like a Christian around Christian people. You, if you've been changed by the light, you should be kind, you should be honest, you should be patient, you should be generous, you should be humble. That demonstrates that you have walked out of the darkness. That's what people will see and then will say there's something about that one. Do not let it be said about you. Let's just go out into your community. Let's talk to your family, the in-laws and the outlaws, and see how you're doing with them. How are you doing with the accountability test, your testimony in the world around you? And it is a blessing that the things that are special to us and important to us and probably it's something different for many of us. You grew up with this. This is something you've always liked in church. This was something that you're mom and dad did, that you love. And it might not be the main thing. And Paul doesn't say you got to get rid of that. He just says, make sure you've answered this first question first. When I stand before God, what will I be counting on? And the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is sufficient. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we look to you, we would ask you that you would allow us to see things in the proper perspective, I thank you for the blessings. I thank you for the blessings that you give. I thank you for the many things that we see, like baptism, like church fellowship, the so many things that we see in you that you've given us. Help us not to discount those. Help us to see that they are a blessing along the way. And as we see the Apostle Paul breaking down this church to show them that nobody is better than anybody else. Nobody on this side is better than anybody on that side. They were all dug from the same pit. Would you allow us to see that? We had nothing to bring to you, nothing to offer. And yet you saved us by your grace. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm going to ask Joanna to play through on the piano. As she plays through, we want to give you a chance to pray. Maybe God has convicted you about something today you want to turn over to Him. Maybe you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can pray even in this moment, Dear God, I am a sinner and I want you to forgive me and make me your child based on the work of Jesus Christ. And that's all it takes. Take just a moment to pray.